Good morning, people. Uh, so I'm jumping on again another one of these impromptu uh, live streams that I've been doing because we have the book coming out, and you guys may have heard me talk about the Kickstarter and the, the sort of fun promotion we're doing around the book. Uh, I've been trying to dig a little bit deeper into some of the questions that people had, some of the information that's in the book. And uh, today we're going to talk about. Let me bring this up on the screen. Uh, we're going to talk about. Uh, what should you do? What should you be doing before you actually start that organic outreach? Now, I know some of you, some of you who will see this uh, because I'm in your newsfeed, you're in my newsfeed. Some of you, I've got a lot of friends that are doing the organic marketing, the organic outreach approach. They're making connections, they're building real relationships. And I love you guys for that because the alternative is well, you've seen what it looks like. If you spend any amount of time, uh, it happens a lot on LinkedIn. It's happening more and more on Facebook these days where people uh, come in, Kat Stancic, I know you call these the bro marketers, but they, they're going to brush you out of the out of the way. They're going to try to reach out to you and connect, pretend to be your friend, pretend to be a new connection, but they really want to brush you out of the way on the way to try to get a sale out of you. They don't really care about who you are. They don't care about what you need. They're just focused on hitting their numbers. There's not a real relationship being built there. So I think for the for the right group of you, you know that this is about relationship and rapport building. Then it comes down to, do I have a good process that's actually working for me? Is it consistent? Is it, uh, actually, let's do this. It has to be any process uh, that's gonna, that we're gonna stick with um, and works has to be, uh, one, it has to be reliable, has to be consistent, um, predictable, and my favorite one is bankable. And that means that it that you can actually count on it in your business. That you know you can take those deposits, those sales, the enrollments in your programs and services to the bank. It's got to be that good. Otherwise, it's not worth doing, right? Don't waste your time with it. So, uh, so what should you be doing before you start your organic reach? And what I mean by this um, is, uh, let's do so. Before you do outreach. Now, the interesting thing about this is uh, a bunch of folks, I, I sort of asked this question, uh, for a bunch of folks and the answers that came back were pretty interesting and I want to talk about each of them because my answer to this is probably different uh, from what you're thinking and it was definitely different from what other people were answering. So for that reason, I wanted to share a little bit. So the first thing that a lot of people will say is your offer. Uh, you have to know what it is, uh, you know, know it, uh, test it, you have to, you know, sell it, like all that stuff. Like it's all about the offer has to be in place. Well, here's the problem with that. Sometimes we're launching a new offer. And if you guys have watched my, my previous live stream where I talked about uh, cursed offers, cursed offers are when you go to market, you know, you have dreams, I have dreams. We, we put our, our ideas together into a program, into a service, into a package that we think is just absolutely, you know, uh, so compelling that why would why would someone say no to this? We see the value of the work we're doing and we put our best stuff into a package, right? 
In fact, a lot of times we buy a package, like we know how compelling it is because we bought it in, from somebody else, we learn it, and then we integrate some of what we learned into what we do. And we're like, of course, people are going to buy this thing. Like I bought it, why wouldn't they? And yet we go to market with it and it seems way harder than it actually should be. And so I call that, uh, let me change my color for a second. We call that, a, a, you know, cursed offers. And that, that doesn't mean that, um, curse doesn't mean it, that it can't sell or that it won't sell. It just means it's going to be a whole lot harder than it needs to be. And I bet you've experienced that yourself where you brought something that you knew was really good and other people just didn't seem to notice or care enough to really make it like you're, you're not hitting your numbers. Like the, the whole thing was just a little bit less than what you were hoping for. Right. Um, there is a process to reverse the curse and, um, and it works really well. That's a big part of what I do in my workshops and my one-on-one -on -one coaching, but, uh, and it's not the topic we're going to talk about today. Just know there's a way to work around that. And so if you, if you try to start, if someone says before you do your outreach, you have to know your offer, <clears throat> I would say yes and no. There's there, we definitely want to do some work on that. I always try to understand what people are offering what the value of their offer is to the market. But a lot of times it's a disadvantage if you go in with that agenda. If you go into your organic outreach with a specific agenda, you start to look like, Kat, again, I'm gonna reference you, those bro marketers that we don't love, right? Because they, that's what's driving them. Their agenda is more important than anything else out of the, than the relationship, right? So that's the problem with leading or starting with your offer is it leans you in that direction, even if you don't mean to go there. The second thing that, that everybody seems to be saying, <clears throat> and I don't fully agree with this either. I think, by the way, I'm not saying these are wrong strategies. I'm saying right strategy, wrong time. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, let me write that down. So, so we know, so it's, it's not, uh, wrong uh, strategy, it's right or wrong time. And that's, that's going to be true for each of these that I'm sharing with you, right? So number two is going to be, uh, go build your authority. Oops, that's not what I want. Go build your authority, post content, create content, show that you're an authority in the space, right? Uh, do your do your LinkedIn profile, do your uh, Facebook profile, like create this big authority platform that establish, write your book, establish yourself as the authority in the space so that people will flock to you. Well, there's there's some reasons why this is hard too. One, if you're maybe entering a new space, uh, you're launching a new uh, a product, a program, a service. Maybe you're actually not n new. You're just shifting your markets. Like you've been doing something, getting great results, but you're maybe leveling up your market or you're shifting into an adjacent possible. Um, in either case, it takes time to build authority. And you may not have that time. You may need clients right now. And yes, there are things that we can do with our LinkedIn profile and, and content that we create. But largely, um, we call this, uh, in, in my world, again, if you haven't seen this, just ask me, I'll get 
get some materials to you on this. It's going to be in the book as well. But we call this, uh, you know, second gear. And second gear means it it comes second. <laughs> it's we we use the analogy of shifting the gears in your car. And outreach is the first gear. And in content sort of authority attraction marketing is second gear and when you do it in that order it will work so much better for you um when you do it in reverse it feels like you're doing a ton of work and and it's a long wait for the results and i know this because I used to run a content marketing agency where we created content for clients and it felt like we could never create enough to build the authority and the platform that we wanted right it was just a it was a hamster wheel it was never ending right so it's part of the solution it's not what you should do before you do your outreach okay um the third thing is do you guys see what i'm doing here by the way i'm like i'm like throwing rocks at at the best favorite strategies and i have listen there's a bunch of you who i consider dear friends that do this but i'm just i have a a, a strong feeling about this and you may or may not agree with me but See what, you know, notice what's going on here. The third thing uh, that people do is they say, uh, know your ideal client avatar. People call it different different things. Uh, I like uh, Landon Porter was the one who used ICA. That's where I, that was from Landon. Uh, other folks will talk about, you know, right fit or um you know perfect prospects but what they're saying is you have to know that information you have to know exactly who you're looking for you got to you know you got to be able to describe them to a t before you can go get them as clients and i'll be honest with you i don't agree with this either and here's why for most entrepreneurs you have a feeling that you know who your people are they often look like you or more like more a better way of describing it an earlier version of you because you traveled this path and you're looking back and saying you know what i could help people over these hurdles and challenges that i got through so i would be a really good guide to help them get through the same thing but we don't really know for sure until we've worked with people right and and so in an ideal situation you'd have a hundred clients and you'd say, I've served and given great value to 100 clients, but these 13 clients, I absolutely love working with them. Like I'm so jazzed up in the morning to work with these 13. I'm going to go get more people like them. And by the way, they also tend to pay me more. They stick around longer. They tell other people about me like it has all the good stuff that's going to be rocket fuel for your business, right? A, a small portion of who you worked with. But if you're in the position where you are moving into a new market or launching a new offer, you do probably do not have the luxury of being able to say, I have a full portfolio of clients and now I'm going to be very selective about which type of those clients I'm going to work with. So anything that you do on this, uh, this I, ICA, this ideal client avatar, is it's guesswork. You're guessing that this person is going to be right for me because you don't actually know. So a lot of times what we do, and there's, a, again, a process for this, is 
we're going to go work with some people. We're actually going to go uh, get, you know, a, a, a client A, and then we're going to go get client B. And, and I'm using the letters to signify they're different types. They're they're slightly different. So if if each letter was this ICA, this persona, this marketing persona, this ideal client that we described, I might take some A's, take on a couple A's, a couple B's, a couple C's, because I have to build that experience of working with some folks and only through doing the client work and giving them value. I'm not saying, you know, take on a client and dump them, take them on, serve them, squeeze that experience for them and for you for all the juice that you can get, right? And then after that, say, you know what, that was pretty good. I don't want to do more of that work. I really want more C's and I think I actually want to explore some D's. Okay. Because A and B, that was great. They got great results too. Happy, happy that we had that relationship, but that's not what I want to build my business around. So it has to be that experience. And that's why that also can't come first. This is why knowing your, I think it's bad advice to be honest with you. All the marketing programs out there that start step one, you know, identify your ideal clients. They have given you directions that in my mind and from my experience were pretty much impossible unless you fit certain criteria that you had that data to work from. Otherwise, you got to go get the data. Right. So that's why you can't do that before. So so what should you do? <laughs> Let me clear all if that stuff is what we don't do, uh, you know. What, what should you do before you start a reach? So I'm going to give you one thing, right? Just, just one thing that has made a world of difference for me and it shifted me from uh i went from uh from reactive to uh proactive in my process and by the way i knew this but i didn't really there's a difference between knowing and doing and i didn't fully appreciate this i i learned it conceptually but it was only from making a bunch of painful mistakes and spinning my wheels uh, in areas where I knew I shouldn't be that hammered this home for me. And so the, the one thing, the one thing is you want to start with your list. Okay. Let's, let's highlight this out. So, um, Start with your, I'm just going to call it your list. I like, I actually use some different terminology in the program uh, that, that I teach. Uh, you know, sometimes we'll call it, I'll reference it different ways, but shopping list, your pick list. But you've got to start with uh, the list of people that are really interesting and curious to you. So imagine if you were to walk down an aisle and the shelves were filled with the people that could become your next client and you could walk down and say, hmm, I'd like to have one of those. And I, that person's really interesting. They're doing cool projects. I'd like to work with one of them. This person, clearly they should be my client because I see them making the same mistakes. And so you have a list of, it's not, 
it's a it's to gather more information to get to know these people you have to start with that list they may or may not be your ideal client because we don't know yet we don't know enough about them but you have to start with your list and here's here's a that by the way is that's really not the big idea what a lot of people do the mistake they make is they they start their outreach um not gonna highlight let's do it this way say the big mistake is uh starting the outreach from the inbox and what i mean by that is a lot of people when they do this work this conversational outreach this organic marketing they start their outreach okay i have this i have an hour blocked out on my schedule i'm going to go do my outreach i'm going to i'm going to converse with people and some of these people are going to end up becoming my clients right that's that's the scenario. And so they start with the inbox and they go to LinkedIn, for example, and they say, okay, who's in my inbox? Uh, okay, five people just messaged me yesterday. I'm gonna answer them because they're waiting to hear from me. When we do that, we, uh, we are reactive, right? We're reacting. We are on uh, someone else's Hold on, that, that was not even a word that I was trying to write there. Let me try this again. Uh, else's uh, agenda, right? It's their agenda. They're dictating our time and our attention. So what I'm saying is if you go to your list and you look for the people, uh, the list is, uh, you know, most interesting to you that you need more info. Uh, maybe people that you've talked to, this is really important actually, uh, people who are closest to a sale because you've actually got something going, You maybe you've already talked to them, you're following up, time wasn't right before, but the people who are, you know, you do have some data on, if you start here, okay, with your list and you focus and you prioritize from your list first and then you can get into your inbox you will be so much more productive because you will be leading the way instead of following what other people are giving you i know this seems like a small like this is the big yeah this actually is the difference maker it's not all these other things that we talked about it's not you know your offer, right? It's not the building you, the authority or the uh, ideal client avatar that you should be focused on first. It should be should be this list. And then because what the list does is it gives you priority in where you're going to spend your time. And when you spend your time with the people who are closest to a sale, then then you actually are uh, it's a more direct path to making those enrollments which gets your business up and running and then you can start to do the things that we talked about before because then once you're uh once you are talking directly to the people who are closest to the sale your offer the information is going to you're going to have a uh, what they call a validated offer you know you're gonna you're you're not gonna we're gonna get rid of this cursed offer right you're going to have an offer that sells itself 
that it's ready to sell and it sells itself. That's what we want. Marketing gets really fun when we do that stuff. Um, you're you're not you're going to be building your authority as a natural extension of the second gear that we talked about here. <laughs> Christine Moore says, "Amen." Uh, Christine, that's awesome. I appreciate you jumping in uh, and to share a little bit of that. Yeah, uh, you know, for Christine and anyone else catching the replay, I'm going to wrap up. Went a little bit longer than than. You know, I got on a soapbox there for a second, uh, but I think that this has changed. This is fun. This process has fundamentally changed my work, and it's different from what I'm hearing from others, including some of the folks that I love and who coached and mentored me. Uh, but some things that I was doing there were not working for me, and so I had to find this. So the 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 normal patent, most common answers to what should you be doing first did not work for me and i found something different and this is why we went into uh these are not your answers it's really focus here and on that most direct path hopefully that was helpful for you guys and uh i'll see you guys tomorrow or maybe on my uh next broadcast